On today's episode, we'll be talking about how to work with family members and grow your company at the same time. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, I know that a lot of you are working with family members, and it's pretty common in our industry. I also know how challenging it can be, so we put together some fantastic content uh, by Mr. Gary Alex, the legend, the man, where he'll talk about the challenges we face in that family dynamic and how we can get through problems and prosper together. So let's go to Gary now and learn how to deal with the family dynamic in a small business. Hi, welcome back to EGIA Contractor University. I'm Gary Alex, and today's topic is going to be leadership, and this is an interesting topic, I think, for many, and that's going to be dealing with family businesses, specifically the dynamics of dealing with inter-family relationships. The spouse relationship, the significant other, uh, the mother, the father, uh, the raising up of the children, or the second generation, third generation, sometimes fourth and fifth generation. So, what we have seen and heard over the many uh, conferences that we've done is that there, there's obviously a dynamic inside of many different family businesses where uh, Gary might be the youth in the business and working for the father and or the family uh, operation. And so I have not made my mark in terms of my monetary wealth gain. I have great ideas. Uh, perhaps I went to university uh, and maybe, you know, my father or the generations previous to me did not. And so I've got these cool ideas about information software systems and reporting, and I've watched some of these EGI videos, and what happens is there's uh, potential for conflict. I've also not made my money, so I'd like to follow some protocols that would allow us to grow and expand this particular business enterprise. <clears throat> but the family business is uh, set in its ways. It has a culture. It has an established flow. It has its own rhythm. That rhythm is slower than my rhythm. And so I'm interested in growth and the dynamic of improving what's going on in the business and making my mark, and the company is not. Uh, another example might be uh, a husband. Uh, could be the production side. Uh, the spouse, the wife, uh, significant other could be the internal office management side responsible for bookkeeping. Uh, the elegance of information systems and reporting, dealing with suppliers, etc. <clears throat> but what we have happen is uh, the need for the business to improve. And so one of the two goes to a seminar, uh, and it's all over the map. Sometimes it's the field production side, and sometimes it's the office admin side. Uh, both are equally important in the business, uh, but only one attends the seminar because of the nature of needing to take care of the other half of the business that day. And so we bring back ideas and we want to implement, and the other person doesn't have that passion or excitement and says, uh, you know, what are you talking about? Why would you even consider doing those things? Uh, you know, just leave it alone. Don't, let's not do this. Years ago, um, some of my uh, closest friends uh, were sitting in a room in a workshop that we're doing on company planning, and uh, this is a husband and wife, beautiful people, and what they said was the wife wanted to raise prices and uh, move off of time material and go to flat rate. And I know that sounds strange today, but we're talking about 12, maybe 13 years ago. And so flat rate was 
important and it was coming online and it was pretty, um, I would say probably 30, maybe 35% of the businesses had it today, probably be more like 65 or 70% have it. So it was still, you know, uh, an early adopter phase of a product life cycle. And, you know, so the, the wife was like, we got to do this and we got to raise prices. And I've been telling you this for years. You need to listen to the little bald guy. And so the husband did this program right here and it was instantaneous shutdown. And at break, he's like, I I'm just going to tell you, there is no way my customers are going to pay more than $75 per hour. And I know my business and you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so today, uh, that company is at $394 an hour flat rate and the service business is doing about $2.5 million. Uh, so, and it's a much bigger company. Uh, so the wife ended up winning the argument, even though the husband at that time was essentially saying, there, there's no possible way that this is gonna happen kind of over my dead body. I own this company and I don't know what y'all are talking about, but I'm not doing it. I know my customers, they're not gonna pay that price. So. The point is, is that family businesses are complicated. Uh, if you're in a family business, you already know that. I grew up in a family business. I got out of the family business. Actually, that made it better because later when I came back to the family business, uh, it was a more interesting process because uh, the ideas and the coaching were different. Uh, but if you're tied into it originally, uh, sometimes we suffer, or what I would say is, um, the second generation, third generation, the people that we're transferring the succession plan to, they can oftentimes suffer. Uh, and, I, and I don't mean suffer in the sense is that they're not going to end up with the business. I mean suffer that they feel like they can bring uh, productivity ideas and some elegance to the business growth, uh, and they feel like they're being stonewalled or that there are barriers for that to happen. Not that that's always bad. Uh, sometimes going slow and having barriers actually presents itself as an opportunity to make better decisions. Uh, but oftentimes that creates frustration, conflict. And what we're really talking about in this particular subject matter today is how to set up a process to get along, how to make that happen, how to organize it so that both parties get what they want and we resolve those conflicts and issues productively and we're not in a position where um, we're, we're, we have animosity or we have underlying, uh, what I would call underlying currents of uh, conflict that can affect personal relationships inside of the family dynamic. Uh, so a lot of times that's the case. So with that in mind, uh, let's take a look at the slide here. First off and foremost, uh, we've just talked about family dynamics. So the hiring and expectations is key. So when we bring a family member into the business. And I don't care what family member we're talking about. That could be a son or daughter to operate the business. Uh, could be a brother-in-law, could be a son-in-law, any type of extended family relationship when they bring them in. The most important part of that conversation is that we have a set of expectations. The expectations are, these are the job requirements, these are the job performance characteristics. This is what I need from you in order for you to function as a part of this team. Now, I'm going to give you something to write down. It's not on the slides, but it's something we've talked about in the company planning uh, previously in some of the previous videos. But it's called Discuss, Conclude, uh, Commit, Create, Execute, Measure, and Adjust. Again, discuss implies that we are discussing the expectations. If I know clearly what my role is, 
if I'm going to develop the commercial business or I'm going to sell commercial maintenance agreements or I am the spouse and I'm doing the bookkeeping, what the weakness is in many small family-owned businesses is we don't have clarity on expectations. There is no role description. There is no plan of attack. Second, there is no long-term plan to say that the evolution of bookkeeping, if in fact that's the example that we're using, and I'm using a one-bucket company, and I have the chart of accounts, and I've got sales, and I've got that broken down by service, maintenance, and change-out, but I have no costs broken down, and I only have one bucket gross profit and one bucket overhead, and my chart of accounts isn't right, and I'm not tracking warranty reserve, and I'm not tracking deferred liabilities, my accounting system isn't doing what it's necessary to do for the company to grow. It doesn't mean I won't be successful small as a solopreneur, but as I grow the business and pressure gets put on the need for information, metrics, and a better system to be able to pass authority to individuals and I need to grow, the accounting function needs to understand that they too need to grow. So because I am the wife or I am the mother or I am somebody that's affiliated with the family, somehow what occurs is there's an entitlement that I don't need to change and adapt as the business plan grows because there is no business plan. So I'm in charge. This is my house. You're going to do it my way or you're on the highway. And that's the philosophy that a lot of family businesses take. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that has a set of characteristics attached to it. I am not here to judge what you do with your family business. I am here to coach you through the idea that you need to understand the consequences of that when you do say those things or you put that kind of uh, leadership style in play. What you're saying to the people that are in the business is that their inputs, their opinions, their ideas, the, the growth of the business doesn't matter as much as your authority. And so what you're doing is you're establishing yourself as king. And uh, a lot of us got into business because we wanted to be king or queen. We didn't want to work for somebody else. So I get that. The problems occur when you start doing family businesses with family dynamics. Eventually, your physicality will wear out. And you will need to transfer that business some way, somehow. Either you sell that as an acquisition tuck-in to a guy like me, or you transfer the authority to your family or you transfer that asset and you sell it because it was worth something to somebody else that wants to buy it and wants to run it, and you probably will no longer be a family business at that point. Those are the three outcomes. The fourth outcome we don't want to talk about. That's dissolution of some form, chapter 7, chapter 11, chapter 13. So assume for just a moment that we're successful and we want to transition the asset. Well, you have to have guidance on how you're going to develop the next generation. And that's where the expectations and the hiring process comes in. It's not enough to have a role description with expectations. It's necessary for you to understand the model of discuss, conclude, commit, create, execute, measure, adjust. If we don't understand that set of principles, then what we're going to have is we will not have a family dialogue. And it's important to recognize that you need to have number four on that list, which is a family council. The family council is essential. I would recommend that you absolutely have an outside advisor manage the family council. Um, if my family, my kids were involved in my business enterprises, and I've asked all of them and they've said, hey, we're not interested at the moment, and that's totally fine by me, by the way, um, 
and I have three children, and some of them may eventually get involved, but right now they don't want to be involved. But the day that they say they do, that's the day that we will have to create a family council. And that family council will have an outside person that will manage that process. Their job is to be the arbiter, the moderator, the person that has the agenda that establishes the framework for conversation about conflict. So if, if I'm in charge, it's personal to me. I built the business enterprise. So there's no way I'm going to be able to completely divorce my emotion or my personal feelings about my children and my interests. Now, obviously, as a professional, I'm going to try to do that, but we carry those biases inherently. My kids are always going to be my kids. And so that's something that you know my father and my grandfather taught me is no matter what happens, they're always your children. And so one of the challenges that you're going to face is how do you treat everybody uh, so that there is equity uh, in the sense that there's equality of fairness, if you will. Um, the argument is, is that we will treat our children unfairly in a, a more difficult way. We're going to make them work harder. We're going to make them for propriety appearances do more and be subject to a more strict or you know, um, adverse set of conditions in order to demonstrate I'm not favoring those kids. In fact, I'm doing the opposite. I want everybody to see that just because they're my kids, I'm not favoring them. I'm okay with that to a degree, except I think that's where your family council comes in. You have to have that discussion with your children to let them know that, I, in fact, I am going to be hard on you. So I was watching a, um, th those of you that are football fans, uh, NFL in particular, the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick has built a system and a dynasty with the Patriots during his tenure there. And one of the things um, that he was talking about, um, there was an interview with him, and uh, he was talking about his relationship uh, with his quarterbacks and how he was going to approach you know, various quarterbacks. Uh, so he's got Tom Brady, obviously, that's a quarterback, but he's had some other quarterbacks, Drew Bledsoe and a few other people. And so he had conversation with them and said to them, I'm going to be tougher on you. I'm going to hold you more accountable than I would. I can either be soft on you or I can be tough on you. I'm going to take the tough road. So he actually had a direct conversation with the quarterback to explain to him that he was going to hold him to a higher standard so that he didn't feel that he was being picked on, that the understanding was, I think that you're going to be great. I see greatness in you. Because of that, I'm going to hold you to a tougher standard. So I'm going to call you out when maybe normally I wouldn't call out the average QB because A, I think you're capable of it, and B, I think it's going to help you get to the level of success that you want and that we want. So it's important that your family council recognize that it's okay for you to be more adversarial or tougher uh, or put conditions on your kids that are a little bit more stringent. I'm okay with that. Just remember the family council needs to identify that so that the children understand that that's the standard and that they're not being called out unfairly, that in fact that's based on the idea that your expectations are higher. The opposite can be also true. You might have some children that require a softer touch, a more delicate approach, uh, much more of an elegant approach towards that process. So I think that's one of the family council discussion points that we need to have. So the weakness in most family businesses is there is no family council. The ownership, King does not want to share control with somebody who's an arbiter or moderator uh, because now I'm no longer in charge. However, you need to think about this in terms of the development of the long term. If I have a family council and my wife is the bookkeeper 
and I'm the king as the owner of the business, and I've got kids over here, that's probably a dynamic that's going to create conflict at some point in time. So the moderation process of having a quarterly meeting where a family council exists through number four, we can now look at number four and say, number three's work performance and our expectations are in alignment. If they are not in alignment, meaning that Gary, as the king, does not want to grow the business, but young son wants to grow the business, that's something that we would raise up as part of the expectations changing and the work performance changing. And there would be a business plan. And the family council and the family plan, that's number five, the dedicated outline there, that would say, how are we going to do this? If you want to grow the business, King Gary does not want you to mess up my wealth. King Gary is drawing a nice income from this business, and so my personal interest is, listen, I don't really want you to spend any more marketing money. This whole digital platform, this is mystical stuff to me. It's like, I don't really get it, therefore I don't want to do it. Social media, that's an absolute no way. Why would you spend money on that? On the other hand, the youngsters over here, are saying, well, yeah, but that's how people are buying, and that's our next customer base, and we need to grow the business, and, you know, 65% of the searches are done on mobile devices right now, and, Dad, you got a mobile device. Why aren't you talking about that? And the answer is, well, because it's going to mess up my income, and I'm nervous about that. I don't, I don't understand it. So the dynamic is the family council, the family discussion, the family outline is reviewed by a professional that's a moderator. And that moderator's job is to bring all of that uh, information and put it on the table and use discuss, conclude, commit, create, execute, adjust, and then understand how to professionally work through the psychological aspects. I'll give you another tip. Uh, having acted as a moderator in family businesses, and also obviously I have family businesses, the moderator's job is also that of a coach of King Gary. They can say, this particular child has these strengths and weaknesses. Do you agree with that? We have that conversation. The developmental path of the children in this case, or the developmental path of accounting. Let me give you a specific example. Um, I was recently consulting with an enterprise and the wife was doing the office management and the bookkeeping, but she has no financial training, no financial acumen. She's really just filling in as a gap because it's family, and family doesn't steal from family, and I trust my wife over here to do the bookkeeping. Even though she doesn't know bookkeeping and she doesn't know what she's doing, she's willing to do it because she is a good person and wants to contribute to the success of the company, but the competencies are terrible, and so the husband you know, is now facing the idea of this business is now growing and I need financial and accounting competency. So one of two things either has to happen here. We train the wife and we get her in a position where she becomes an effective bookkeeping function. If you go back to the slide and we look at number three, work performance, the work requirements, and number two, the expectations, I need reporting, I need accounting, I need departmentalization, I need some metrics, I need some software. If we need those things because the business is now doing $3 million, it's no longer this baby little business that's doing a half million dollars. What I need is an accounting function. <laughs> so I have to train her or I'm going to have to ask her to do something different with her life and career. And I might need to bring in a financial function that is a professional that's outside of the business that isn't family members. So 
countless times I've been associated in the consulting practice with uh, businesses where the mother uh, of the original owner was the bookkeeping function and dad was here and they built a nice enterprise of let's call it a million and a half, two million, two and a half million, three million, which is right about the plateau where the competency of a individual unique owner begins to hit stress cracks. Think about it. If I'm selling, I can sell about 1.5 to 1.8, maybe $2 million. My service business is doing about 25 to 30%. So that pushes me right around $2.5 million to $3 million. I've got service technicians. I've got an install crew, maybe two. I slide some people over here. I do some commercial work. That's the profile of a lot of businesses. Now the son comes in or the daughter comes in, and they want to grow the business. And so they start growing the business. They start doing some things like marketing. Now we've got a website. Now we've got social media. Now we've got email marketing platforms. Now we've got reputation management. Now we've got uh, direct mail campaigns, radio, that are attaching themselves to promotions and so forth. And so the business grows up, and now it's four, four and a half million. And now the stress cracks begin to show because the accounting system no longer tells us what we're doing or what we're not doing. Inefficiencies begin to occur. So what happens is, that is all a precursor of not having had a plan, not having had the information system in place, not having had the scaled processes organized, like we talked about in some of the previous videos about developing your company, developing your plan, developing your mid-management. Now we've pushed the company into a place where the revenue is higher, the gross profit dollars are lower, and overhead has increased. So I'm making less money at four, four and a half million than I was making at three million. Dad's not happy. Mom's not happy, and they want to pull back the reins. And the reality is, is the mistake that was made was they didn't create the blueprint for how the company's expectations, the plan, the bookkeeping functions, the metrics, the information system was going to guide the business from $3 million to $4.5 million so that they didn't lose money, they didn't lose traction. And now there's conflict inside of the business. So we see animosity occur between the family members. We see differences of opinion between brothers and sisters about what to do or what not to do. The dynamic of the family enterprise requires that you actually have the family council, that you have a process where you meet quarterly, you review the business plan, you review the goals of the company, you review the goals of what's going on on the family members, and most importantly, you have a development plan for each of those family members so that if Gary is the king, and we've got one of the siblings coming in, or we've got a sister coming in, or a brother coming in, that there is a true development path that is organized and it is discussed amongst the family members. I know this is a radical thing, this communication idea, where you actually talk about what's happening, how I see you, what your goals are, what your aspirations are. And I can tell you that I've been involved in some of these family councils where it has worked perfectly meaning that there was a father and a mother and they were operating the business and they had multiple children and they wanted them to come in and they, they brought me in as a consultant, you know, this is pre-EGIA days, and said, we don't feel comfortable being the people that are going to develop these children of ours. <clears throat> we know we need some help. Please help us create the plan of attack. We'll deal with the plan of attack, but what we need is we need some outside guidance because they're not going to listen to us, and we're probably not going to listen to them as well as we should. So you be the psychologist slash business consultant, and you help these folks grow uh, so that they develop and we can transition out. Because we want to retire. 
we would like to not be a part of this on a day-to-day -day basis, but we also want to make sure that they don't screw it up. And so those types of processes exist once the family council is established and there's a quarterly rhythm and you have an agenda and you can talk about it. What you have is you have a model where you can communicate. And if you can communicate and you can be hard on the problem and soft on the people, there is a format where everybody can get along, everybody can organize around the business plan. Second, third generation can, in fact, achieve their objectives. Uh, first generation or whomever is you know, currently operating the business has the mechanism to transfer the, the authority, if you will, if not the stock and the control, that as well at some point, to the next generation. And, I, and the last point I want to make is this. I've seen a lot of enterprises where the dad uh, wants to sell the business to the kids and they overstate the value of the company and they burden the children and that's the retirement plan of the dad and or the family. And I'm gonna look straight at you and say to you that is an inappropriate approach to the idea, okay? You can sell the business to your kids but the valuation shouldn't be your retirement plan. Your retirement plan needs to be precursor to that. You need to have plenty of assets set aside and that's something that you as a business owner need to do now, not later. If you think that your kids are going to work and they're going to support you in the retirement process, you're burdening your children with a form of debt. You might as well just take a loan out from the bank and just hand it to them. So the smarter approach is to say that this is what I want to do in my retirement. These are the dollars. This is the asset. This is the wealth pattern that I would like to create. And that's fine, You're, you deserve that, and it's your business. Uh, but what you need to do is you need to plan for that and organize for that so that you're not transferring this debt burden to your children. And so what you can do is you can say, well, I'll grant you stock and you can earn it through your bonuses. You can buy this over time, but you don't wanna put your kids in a position where they feel like they're essentially slave labor and they're creating the retirement plan for you while they're not developing their own personal wealth and creativity without having control, meaning I still own the assets and I own the stock and I have control, so I'm not letting them do what they want to do, but their job is to work to be able to pay the bills so that I get my retirement. That's what we're describing. That's an unfair approach to your children and it will create conflict, I promise you, and it will create animosity underneath and there's an underlying or an undercurrent in the family dynamic. And you can do it without doing it that way. As usual, awesome content from Mr. Gary right there. Now, if you're interested in learning more about this topic, I'd encourage you to sign up for our 30-day free trial by clicking Join at the top of this page. This is just a small piece of the process, and you need the whole thing to make it all work. We have a lot more content from Gary on leadership, including creating a culture for sustained success, improving communication with employees, personality skills for leaders, defining core values, and much, much more. So sign up for a trial today and try it for yourself absolutely free. And if you're a member already, well, then you better be logging in and watching all these courses from the master, Mr. Gary Ellix. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. Next week, we're going to talk about how your techs can get more Google reviews from your customers. Until then, bye-bye for now.